Hello and welcome to Save That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yeah, you know, whatever. Off to an enthusiastic start. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> are you, Jed? Please. Yes. Are you saying really? that voice? It doesn't sound like you are. I'm very glad. Tony, us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Love it. Couldn't be more stoked. Let's do this. Well, wow, that's impressive. It's, it's it's like it's gone up exponentially every time. Well, I have something to kill Lee's enthusiasm because I declare oh. a boredom emergency. What? Wow. We had come in on the Twitters mm. uh, uh, from Miss Gwen, Supervan, Superfan Guinevere has a pressing question. Okay. And where where is Miss Guinevere located? She's in Malaysia. That's what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. International. You, that's right. International yes. emergency. Deal with that. <laughs> we, we will find something in this emergency that binds all of us from yeah. all around the world. There you go. Um, you think, well, it's a question. Don't you normally answer the questions in the back half of the show, the serious part of the show? And normally, but this is a question that needs answering as much as um, mocking goofery, Okay, oh. which I believe is why it was posed to us. Yeah. So Ms. Guinevere writes in, says, Dear at Matt Kinger, at Jed Brewer, at Lee Younger, at Clemens Gerald, Please teach me how to survive a long-winded church leaders meeting. Ooh, oh, wow. boy. And boy, have you come to, well, in some ways, you've come to the right <laughs> place and the wrong place. Yeah. Because you know? you've come to people yeah. who survived many a long, boring meeting. Right. You've also come to people who have survived many of them by going, I'm done meeting now and just leaving. I, yeah, you were, you were looking at me when you said that. Yes, because you've done that. <laughs> well, yes. And then you yelled at Jed for trying to politely say goodbye to people on the way out. That's correct. <laughs> that is absolutely true. That's what I was wondering is, can you call it surviving the meeting if you uh, left the meeting? Hey, yeah. if I jump out of that plane before it crashes, I survived the plane ride. That's right. You raise wow. a good point. Good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we also had, and Glenn, this is one of your, better, one of your amazing theories I'd love you to share with the people. Yeah. It applies to meetings. It also applies to church services. You were sharing with uh, one of our uh, volunteers after the bridge on Tuesday that uh, you institute and there's there's an amount of time a church service goes. Right. And that is that is set by the leaders of the church. That's totally yeah. their decision. It's their but, but then there's the amount of church that Glenn will go to. Yeah. And those don't have to line up. Yeah. No. That's there. There's a there. You know. There's a sense of uh, we're, we're supposed to just. Uh, Brave this out to the end, no matter what. Yeah. And when you when you start introducing the idea of is this really is this really anything? You know, sure, you're challenging the whole system. Yeah. Then it's uh, I give myself permission to go ahead and pull a ripcord and say, uh, I believe I've heard you explain to pastors. I go to an hour of church. Right. You choose how much church you want to yeah, do. You, you can do. Yeah. You but can, I'm I'm participating yeah. in an hour. Of That's it. right. You could you. Yeah. Well, here here's the thing. I think the the key thing on this because there's yeah. there's a lot of boredom out there and there's a lot of people <laughs> who are inciting the boredom and uh, they're not concerned about it. Sure, absolutely. The key thing <clears throat> is the the person inflicting the boredom needs to become concerned. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Now you're talking about a a Rorschach from Watchmen. You're not. I'm not locked in this meeting with you. You're locked in this meeting with me. Kind that's of exactly right. You got to make them concerned about what are you going to do absolutely okay now i don't know uh the 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 flora and fauna indigenous to this part of the world so i could i I, i'm giving an america specific example okay translated over to your region wherever you're listening to this at Okay. okay sure you walk into the meeting yeah and you've got a cage a wire mesh cage and in that cage is a badger (laughs) okay okay now you tell the people in this meeting if i become bored i'm turning this badger loose this is bucky the boredom badger he is gonna flip out yeah and go crazy in here which will be entertaining (laughs) to me i will like that and i will not be bored anymore that's right see what i'm saying so you 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 just let them know. Keep it interesting. Keep it exciting. Keep it moving. Keep it spicy. 
That's right. Because <laughs> this badger's getting loose and he's gonna go crazy. Yes. Your goal is to be more interesting than would be this badger where he That's lives. right. That's right. That's the whole thing. I think it's great. Um, one of the things, and I'll throw it to Lee here, because one of the things we we have to remind the people occasionally is um, Glenn is the boss. Yeah. Right. Glenn has been the boss for, at this point, the majority of his career. Yeah. So he, he cannot put himself in the mind of an underling. <laughs> Pretty much any meeting Glenn goes to, he can afford to just leave. Right. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. that's not exactly true for all of us. Right. And right. since Jed and I wouldn't know anything about bad meetings uh, no, I mean, at all, correct. we're going to get correct. Lee to speak up right here and uh, and save us. Yeah, I've been to many a meeting. I would say one one thing that I don't know if anybody has tried is just... Just start, uh, just start a giant theological fight. Just, just start some throwing some heresy out there using an accent like somebody else's voice or something like that. Like, so okay, learn ventriloquism first. Yeah, sound like exactly sound like somebody else in the room, and or just say like, "Whoa, Tony, did you just say?" And then throw out a heresy, and then just okay. watch everybody go after each other because you know, as Jed says, and I'm gonna clean this up a little bit. You know, uh, church people love the church stuff, and so if you make it a, a contestable, arguable thing, then the, your meeting is now becoming more interesting. Oh, I love this. This is good. So you're saying yeah. I, sh- I just want to make sure we're all tracking with this because you're uh, church people love church stuff. So mm-hmm. we're, we're all we're all sitting there, and Deacon Bob is droning on yep. about right. the the third quarter membership drive. Well, I thought I thought the thermostat was a sixty three, and we had to keep it at sixty four. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bob, are you espousing a doctrine of salvation by works? Is that what's going on here right now? Is that what you're saying? That's what I, I heard. Because that's, that's what I you're heard, You're saying Bob. man just gets to choose where the thermostat sits and God has no hand and right. what the temperature is. Is that what you're saying, Bob? There's a time in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul literally does this. He starts a fight between the Sadducees and the Pharisees in the room so he can like duck out real fast <laughs> when they're trying to kill him. I'm saying you could do this, and then you run to, I got to go to the bathroom real quick while y'all are about to burn each other at the stake, and then you're out. Yeah, there's also a part in the book of Acts where, uh, I think it's in Acts, maybe Paul referencing one of his letters, where he gives a sermon that's so long that someone literally dies. Yeah. So, you know, that's the other part of here. We're not saying they're bad people. Right. We're just saying they need to learn to keep, to keep it short. Yeah, I there there are still if you go to the Lutheran headquarters, there are still people talking the wanted about poster of Glenn and meetings. Yeah, but here's the thing: they all say, you know, he's terrible with the meeting, but they don't invite me to the boring meetings. Sure, sure, so, it worked. You know, it worked. You know, well, so there's certainly what uh, Glenn would call the bull goose loony theory. That's correct. Which is based on a book called One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, where a guy is in an insane asylum and what, feels the need to establish himself as the bull goose loony. Yeah, he, he's the craziest guy in there. He's the craziest one, so the easiest way to have a productive meeting is just not invite Glenn. Right. Because you know what kind of nonsense Glenn is going to pull. That's now, right. The, now, if, if we're on the other end of it, if we're, if we're subordinate, if we, uh-huh. we can't really cosmic ways, then we must look in interior. Mm-hmm. We must go to our own happy place. Mm-hmm. And that... For most, for I, I would, I would suggest people is tilt your head slightly to the left, you picture soothing sounds, mm-hmm. and you just think about ice cream. Sure, yeah, until okay. it's over. Well, okay. Mm. Well, there is of course another way to ah. look to the interior. This is the patented Jed Brewer method. Now, uh, I have had a certain number of health problems in my life that, from time to time, do manifest as stomach problems. So I've discovered right. that you know I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna head to the washroom. Y'all, y'all carry on without me. No right. one will ever push back on that. Right. No. And then what you discover is me just hanging out in the bathroom is so much better than being in that meeting, right? Or that worship service, yeah. Or that whatever it is. I can just. It's like my own private office. Yes, the yeah. introverts retreat. Yeah, I mean, a public place. <laughs> a lot of churches they've got it set up where the door locks from the inside. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you know, bring a snack and. Uh, Here's the thing I love about this idea is, as we mentioned, church people love church stuff. This is using the, this is judoing the churchiness. Yeah. Right. Because it's the churchiness that makes them want to drone on forever in the meeting. But it's also the churchiness that makes them, A, never want to be uncomfortable socially, and B, never ask an actual question about what's going on in someone's life. Yep. Right. So if you, I think if you just had a full scale emotional meltdown and ran out, no one would ever bring it up again. Probably so. Yeah, I think you just do that on every month. 
And the church folk would be like, well, I guess, I guess Jed had to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no need to follow up with that at all. Just had a panic attack and ran out of here. Yep. Yep. I well, can't take it anymore. Well, there's another strategy that I Please? have used actually in real life, and no kidding, is to, is to have things written on my uh, folder. You know, you carry a, like a manila folder. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the old Wayne's World method. I, I, have, I have a set of folders that I take to meetings with extremely snarky things written on it. Sure. You know, just to let people know. Told up the signs. I just don't want to be here. Sure, no, it's you know, good. That kind of thing. <laughs> well, if you would like, and if if we if we have the ideas, we can we can expose them or we can close it out here. Because if you would like a true picture into the the mind of Glenn on yeah. length, and in the in the ministry he founded, if you've been to the the bridge, you'll have seen this. But for those of you who have it, let me paint the picture. Um, every every week the bridge, the people come in. Jed Lee, Jed, or H.R. Friend Peter, lead them in some worship. And then we have a thing where we welcome them. We, you may have a segment like this to your church. We just let them know, here's what the bridge is. Here's, here's who's here. Here's, you know, these pastors are here. They're going to speak. They want you to come to their church. And, you know, it's this time every week, and you can come back. And if you didn't bring your kids this week, there's a kids' ministry. But there's a segment there where we let everyone know that our speakers have 10 minutes. Right. And a lot of churches, meetings, worship uh, meetings, technically have a time limit. Right. But it's theoretical right what takes it from the theoretical to the literal is enforcement yes and we have a series of slides with just various threats that's right of what we might do to the pastors (laughs) if they go over 10 minutes yeah it involves a masked luchador known only as the silencer yeah it involves a taser watch yeah it involves the gif of the guy at the press conference throwing his shoe at george (laughs) w bush yes which some 15 years after that happened still gets the biggest laugh um, and will there's, we do literally these things? No. We threaten to transfer them to our sister bridge <laughs> program in Siberia. That's right. Yep. There's a joke about you'll need your own toilet paper. Yeah. No, we're not going to do any of li- these things literally. Not until Glenn gets his luchador mask back. Right. But the threat is there. Absolutely. Right. And that really speaks to, um, you know, as Glenn has told me when I started working here, no one's ever complained that a sermon was too short. That's correct. Mm. You have to you have to instill that in your own spirit. That's it. That's what's up. Well, and as perhaps a closing thought, because this is all useful. You know, we've been talking for people that you're in meetings and whatnot. But this is our gift to you to say that listener wherever you go to church, no matter what, the supplies equal to everybody. If that sermon's not doing it for you, leave. Yep, yep. that's what we all do. Yep. Just yep. get up yep. and leave. Yep, you don't owe them anything. <laughs> it's a great point. Did did talk to a, a say that super fan just today? Okay, that email. She said, uh, bless her heart, was at a, a church that she was visiting where they had a guest speaker. Okay. Who, it wasn't it. This is not one of our questions for today, but it was just, uh, and she mentioned, I would have left because she's been poorly influenced by us. Said, somehow the way the building was set up, the door to leave was behind dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh! Yeah. So, it, I, will, I will, before we close out, I'll add to Jed, first of all, yes, if it's bad, you can leave. Yeah. Also, you gotta, you gotta know your escape plan. Absolutely. Right. If you walk in that room and the only exit is literally behind the stage, they did that on purpose. Yep. Right. At that's some right. point, that guy chose I can either be better or I can <laughs> physically block the exit, <laughs> right. and he chose the latter. Wow. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, you know, next week we're one of our questions <laughs> has to do with you know what does it mean? Like some people say, like you know, God can't stand to look on sin, and you know what what does that mean? And we're going to get into the theology of it next week. But for right now, what it means is time to leave. <laughs> so when when a pastor says, "Get when we sin, God can't even look at us because he can't be around sin," that what that means is it's time to get up and collect your things and yes. find the nearest exit. That's right. Yeah. Sure, that's that's you're right. Now again. If you're in a meeting where you're getting paid to be in the meeting, well, it's different. You have to apply some strategies, and that's what we're here for. On that basis, I declare emergency off. So we hope that helped. We're sure it didn't, though. <laughs> Could we possibly get in on the Badger rental business? <clears throat> oh, rent a Badger. Rent a Badger. That's like cash. Sure, it's going to be huge in Wisconsin. I First love of it. All, you, you catch a Badger, not going to be easy, but it's not expensive. No. Sure. And also, you got a friend for life. <laughs> Thank you. you. You and Barry, you're in business together now. You feed him whatever badgers eat. Who, sure. Who could even know what that is? Sure. You well, he eats boredom. That's that's what he does. Well, okay. I think here's what here's what because I, uh, I sure. know we shut it down, but it's yeah, we tried. Important. Figure out how to find like pork ankles. Okay. Following where I'm heading with. Yeah, us. Yeah. 
and you 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 just teach him go for the ankles. Right. He just he sees an ankle, boom. He goes for it. He goes for it, just gnawing viciously. You could train Barry to do that, but I'm pretty sure it's just naturally he would do that. Well, that's that's the beauty of a badger. Right. Okay. This is what I'm saying is you tell the people in this meeting, he'll go for your ankle. Absolutely. He's been trained. Sure. That's his favorite thing. He would <laughs> skip over your whole body just to get at your ankles. Yes. So I'm turning him loose and we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that right, that right there, all you're out is a cage and 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 some you know pork knuckles. You're good to go. You're good to go. That's what you call just pure profit, right there. Right, right. almost yes. no overheads. Yes, I mean you do have to care for a badger. That you know that's but it's, that's a privilege. That's <laughs> to get to. You know exactly right because you stare into the badger's eyes. Right, you know what I mean. Right, <laughs> he's staring back at you. Form a bond. You're right. getting the connection happening. There. Right. So that's a. You know. You're saying you want to be the badger whisperer. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll do it, man. If yeah, anybody would like to uh, kickstart the animated feature, <laughs> bury the boredom hating, ankle biting badger, um, I think 200 grand will do it. <laughs> sure. So if anybody good. wants to be wow. a patron of the arts yes. and get in on art, you know, I, th- I think that's a strong pitch the Disney Channel would love. Absolutely. Until then, of course, we're going to have to continue fundraising the old fashioned way until we can get our badger comic off the ground. And we do that through Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Get songs, sermons, all sorts of good stuff for yourself while supporting the work we do up here in Chicago through our deacons division. Our deacons are part-time employees who help folks get to church, get jobs, get food, get to 12-step meetings and all sorts of other amazing stuff. We are able to pay them for their time because of you find folks who support Bridgebox. We're heading in to the month of May where our topic is, Jed. How do I love the Lord with all my heart? So we're going to look a lot at uh, the all by heart and all your soul and all your strength verse. Uh, Glenn's sermon on that, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff. We also have a little say that bonus we recorded. The three of us sat down after we uh, had our lunch conversation, which we always have before we preach at the bridge. And it kind of gave a little behind the scenes of how we prepare our message and what we're looking to do. So, Are you going to call that say that after dark? No. (laughs) Are you going to call it say that? Exclusive. Oh, that's good. Well, maybe not in that voice, but maybe those words. Exclusive. No, that's that's <laughs> that confuses the branding. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Okay, we're gonna jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes into our email address and it says, How have you guys, as you've gotten older? This is in parentheses, not that y'all are old. Wow. We're old. Well, we're fine with it. And started families kept up with and maintained friendships with people who live far away from you. Some of my closest friends live in different cities, and the time we spend together feels super life-giving and soul-restorative to me, but I don't get to see them very often, and they've all, a lot of them are newly married. This all spurs from a conversation I had in my small group where we talked about how some relationships seem crucial to maintain, and that some friends in our lives make us feel like the best versions of ourselves. Do you have any wisdom for me? Oh, friend, we have wisdom. We certainly do. And Lee, why don't you start us off? I'd love to. Um, I like this question. I, I like the uh, just kind of the the detail and the heart behind it. And one of the things that that I would say is that we kind of grow up um, thinking about all relationships have to have the same kind of gravity. Um, if I'm friends with somebody, I'm you know they're I'm really good friends with them. So I every friend I have it's at the same level of friendship and and whatever uh, kind of friendship we start with that's what I'm going to maintain for my entire life. And the the problem with that is that's really not true. Uh, there are all different kinds of relationships that you have, all different kinds of levels of friendships. And so one of the questions that we need to ask if we're trying to maintain a relationship with somebody that doesn't live in the same city is what is this relationship for? Um what what am I uh, wanting to put into this friendship? What am I hoping to get out of this friendship? What is the goal of this of this relationship? This is the kind of thing that not a lot of people ask, but it's a super important question. And when you have an idea of of I know what the goal of this relationship is. I know what I'm trying to put into this, and I know what I hope to get out of this. Then you have something that can guide and steer your behavior. Uh, it gives you a starting place for some strategies to keep that thing going and to keep it strong. So, for instance, if we have the achievable goal of, okay, 
my best friend from college, college, you know, whatever, uh, we don't live in the same city anymore. So I'm not going to have exactly the same relationship we did then. This person is not going to be my the the daily presence in my life of the person that's going to keep me daily encouraged throughout the week, or the person that I am um, that that I have like a daily or a, a three four times a week kind of teamwork to you know to keep each other pumped up to kind of know about each other's lives to hold each other accountable. That's probably not going to be that relationship. But what other goals could I set for that? Uh, we still can have a good friendship. It's just that I need to make sure that I know that I'm going to have to have people local that are in my life who are going to be my the kind of daily driver folks who are going to keep me encouraged and and keep me uh, in that teamwork. But folks that are in a different city, we can identify ways that we can be there for each other. So I can regularly check in with somebody, have a conversation where we ask what things are going on and stuff like that. What can I be praying for? And then I can, ch- and then we can have kind of a maybe a weekly or a, a couple times a month time that we really kind of. Uh, connect and have a long conversation, check in on those things that we've been praying about for each other, that kind of stuff. Another thing that we can do is if we if we've got uh, if we've got the goal figured out for what kind of relationship this is, which again is the thing that will kind of guide our strategy and our behavior going forward, is that we can say, all right, this isn't this may not be my best friend, but this person brings a lot of cool stuff out of my life or whatever, and so I'm going to seek like some points of connection. What are the things that we connect on? And I'm going to uh, approach those things with that person, and I'm going to try to set up some intentional hangouts. So, for instance, um, I've got a really, really great friend who um, and Matt and I actually have a, a mutual friend who lives in Missouri, and of course, Matt lives in Chicago. I live in Tennessee. Well, uh, pretty soon we're going to go to Missouri and hang out all together for a few days, and we do that kind of once a year, and it's kind of a standing date kind of thing. We're going to go do this and spend this time together, and that kind of stuff will keep that relationship going. So, But I think the main thing that we need to figure out is recognizing that just because we were, uh, you know, our, this was our closest friend at this point in our life, that may not stay the same our entire life. We need to define what is this relationship for? What can I expect to get out of this relationship, what can I put in? And then that will help us kind of move forward with some strategies to keep it good and fresh and what it ought to be. That's absolutely right. And uh, you have to be a really, really good friend to get me to go to Missouri. Yeah. Let's call it out. I mean, he, 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 he clears it by a lot, but it's not a small thing. Um, and Jed, let me go to you here. Cause I think Lee made some very, very good points about kind of the evolving nature of relationships. And the truth is, Every relationship is pretty much constantly evolving. Yeah. Right? Um, as as people grow, uh, that can be in marriage, that can be in a family, that can be in a romantic relationship, friendship. Um, this does take some maintenance. And one of the, I think, a word that gets super overused in Christian stuff is intentional. Ooh. It's almost never defined, but let's define it because actually intentionality has a big role to play here, I think. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. There's a cliched saying, it's a little dated at this point, but the cliched saying is, that no one plans to fail, they just fail to plan. And it's a cliche for a reason because it's super, super true in a whole lot of areas in life. Uh, to, to put it another way, if you haven't intentionally thought through what you hope to achieve and how it is you're going to achieve it, exactly as Lee is describing and Matt, as you're referencing, then it's not going to happen. You know, I think one of the great lies, and, and we see this in romantic relationships all the time, is, you know, if we're just, if we just love each other enough, we don't really have to plan anything. It'll just happen, you know, and it will just, there'll be togetherness. And that's not true. I mean, you know, whether it's dating relationships, marriage, uh, if you want to have good quality interaction, you have to plan those things out. There just, there isn't a way around that. Well, the funny thing is that I think that that assumption that if we are close enough, we won't really need to work at it. I think we do that in our non-romantic relationships too. Um, you know, we, we kind of just assume, you know, me and Jim Bob, we're such good buddies that like, we'll just always just find a way to interact. And sure. We're always down at the Crick. Absolutely. Just, just being at the Crick together. Me totally. and Jim Bob. It's, it's Crick time. Um, it, 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 life doesn't work that way. But the funny thing is what we can do is we can literally schedule Crick time with Jim Bob. Like we yeah. find a time that works every week or every month or every three months, whatever it is, 
and we put it on the calendar, and it's blocked off, and this is crick time with Jim Bob. If we do that, our odds of having a functioning, ongoing relationship with uh, Jim Bob there go up massively. If we say, you know, we really, one of these days, we should totally go down to the creek together and have creek time. That's never, ever going to happen. That's the sound not doing this makes. You know, these don't have to be big things. You know, we're we're describing some great examples like, you know, I'm going to meet up with, you know, my buddy in Missouri and we're going to hang out. It could be small things too, though. You know, um, I uh, if you ever feel like you're that kid that doesn't call their mom enough and therefore you are bad, I have you beat by a mile. I have been the worst at that. But what I've found, what's helped me is I have discovered I have a window every Tuesday while I'm driving to the bridge where I can call my mom. And it's always a time that works for me and it happens to work for her. And it's great. It's fantastic. The funny thing is, it's not that I love my mom more today than I did 10 years ago when I was really bad at calling. It's just I put a bit of planning into it. That yeah. That's the only difference. There, there's no difference in, in whether or not I'm a good son. There's no difference in the love, any of that. It's it's just planning. So the thing that we want, really want to encourage you to do to build on what Lee was saying is to add in that element of planning, that element of intentionality of asking not just what do we want to do, but how is it that we're going to achieve this in a practical sense? How are we going to pull this off? And then following that plan. If you do that, you can have some really great long-term relationships, even with people that don't live in the same town as you anymore. That is a really fantastic point. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to to speak to another aspect that Lee started us off with, which is um, we do need to have a sense of what we want this, these relationships to do, both in the sense of we cannot only have old relationships. Right. That is certainly the, the model that particularly males seem to want to engage in. I, <laughs> I made my friends by the time I was 16. Right. And now we just ride this out. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to work for a lot of reasons. Uh, yeah. It's not a good goal. So we do want to build new friendships. But we also don't want to set those old ones in cruise control. I think part of what... Yeah. What Jed's talking about here, if you can do this in a bunch of different ways, is when people are like, uh, like our friend mentioned the question here, who just, these are my people, and uh, about that. One of the things is, as that gets less frequent, we probably don't just want to use that time playing video games or watching a ball game or whatever and not talking to each other. If these are the people I need to get down to stuff with, we need to yeah. get down to stuff. Yeah. So how do we find that balance of what we use this relation for, what we, where, where we get the rest of our relational needs from, where do we start with that? Well, I think ultimately what we're really, really talking about here is fellowship, you know, that you're, yeah. you're getting together with other people who are in the faith. They may have similar struggles to you and they're, they're giving you some insight or, or some encouragement on that. You're, you're, you're encouraging one another with that, or you know, maybe they've read a good book that's helping them and you want to get onto that, those kinds of things. Uh, but you know what's what's odd here is we're talking about, and I I could not agree more. You have to be intentional. You have to you be assertive with planning these kinds of things and making it happen. Uh, and I think sometimes, as Jed's suggesting, uh, we fall into that habit of thinking, well, if it's if it's not just going to happen organically, man, don't then, force it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just. Is this thing real? I don't want like to have like call someone and pick a time. Right. You know. I figured I'll just start showing up at restaurants. If it's meant to be, then lunch will happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ultimately, you have to you have to plan that. But but within that, it's often good to have unstructured time. You know, where, where you you might have an agenda of a couple of things you want to talk about, but to where it's not uh, you know a regimented in some sort of way. Or in some cases where you're doing something where you can interact, you know, like Lee was talking about, if you're sitting at a ball game, you can sit and visit while you're watching baseball and stuff. Uh, if you're having a meal, same thing. But if you're going to a movies, for example, mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of can't talk while you're watching a movie. We get together and run an ultra marathon. It's great. We spend yeah. hours together. Yeah, that's uh, no one should ever do that ever for any reason. That's crazy. But um, the, the idea here uh, as well is, uh, I think we want to uh, give ourselves permission as well to look at new relationships now uh, and new friendships. Now, the thing about those new friendships is they are going to fill a different niche in your life. You know, old friends understand your foundations, and that's really important. Somebody just gets where you came from and what your story is. 
But it, people you have a newer relationship with see you as who you are today in some ways better than your old friends do. Your old friends kind of remember you the way you used to be. And sometimes we have a way of sort of reverting back to that uh, you know, younger personality when we're around those people. Uh, and not that that's bad, but uh, you do need some people in your life who understand where you are today and, and, and the sort of the, the, the latest version of you, so to speak. And I, I think we want to take the time and invest in those newer relationships as well and, and uh, have different expectations. You know, oh, this guy doesn't really get me because he doesn't know my whole story and whatever. But yeah, he may get who you are today actually better than your old friends do in a certain sort of way. Uh, last thing I would say is I think uh, we, we had to get away from this idea of sort of recapturing, you know, remember yeah. that time we were in the woods with a thing, it would you, let's do that again, man. Right. You know, this, <laughs> that was the thing that makes that awesome is that it was a once in a lifetime thing. You know, it's about new, moving on, having new adventures, new things, uh, you know, discovering new uh, uh, adventures together rather than let's just try and replay and replay as much as we can. We're trying to, to go back to a thing. All these relationships, whether it's marriage relationships, dating relationships, friendships, uh, that fellowship works as we move forward in things. And so we have to have that mindset as well, I think. I think that's a very, very important point to close out on that recapturing thing. One of the things that happens as you get a little older, as you are, are kind of spread away from a group of people, is... Um, a lot of times your your interactions will evolve around an event, you know. It's a reunion or it's yeah. it's the bachelor party for the thing. And that's great, but as I was gonna say, it is it is wrong to try to it's a bad strategy to try to recapture the emotion of, you know, when we were all at a cabin for a full weekend together. That was amazing, man. Mm-hmm. The the thing that made it good was the not the clearing out the outside world, which that's fun and that's cool. But as, as we're pointing out here, as these guys have said, you know, part of what you want these relationships for is people you can you can get on the phone and say, I you know I couldn't ask this dude in my small group this you didn't really know, but you you know what I'm about, you know what this is, so what is it this? And as some of those smaller check ins throughout the way, we shouldn't um, we shouldn't uh, look down on those because they don't have the, the full schmear. Part of this is kind of plugging and playing as we talked about on other stuff. All right, we move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously. It says. During these last few months, I'm struggling to focus daily on the Lord. When I pray, my mind cannot concentrate. I can't stop but think about other things. How do I get control over my thoughts? Thanks. And Jed, why don't you start us off here? Well, I'm sorry you've been going through a rough time. Uh, we believe in you, and we're praying for you, and I hope you'll give us a chance to to help. Um, here's the funny thing is you say, I'm, I'm having, um, in essence, a spiritual problem. I'm finding it difficult to pray. Um, and again, we're sorry for that. We, we've all been there. We've all experienced that. And, and, uh, but whenever we have a spiritual problem, I think the funny thing is we want to start by looking for a spiritual answer to that spiritual problem when that's not always the best solution. In your case, I think a lot of what may be driving this are actually very ordinary, unspiritual problems. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. You say, I sit down to, to pray and I'm, man, I just find it so hard to focus and just so, you know, I'm just, I'm just not there. How much did you sleep last night? Cause mm-hmm. if you got like four hours of sleep, you're not going to have a great prayer time, my man. There's all kinds of compelling reasons why you only got four hours of sleep, but it's no judgment. It's just reality is if you got four hours of sleep, it's probably not going to be the world's greatest prayer time. That's just how that is. Yeah. Uh, a related question. How stressful of a week has it been for you? You know, if you're in school, is it finals week? Is it midterms week? If you're, you know, if you work an office job, was the report to Jenkins due this week? Because if you've had a mountain of stress on you for, you know, a few days, you're not going to be in a place to have super duper quality focused prayer time. Not a judgment, not a criticism. We all go through times like that, but it's just, it's kind of a statement of of reality, you know. Uh, One more, for me, there are kinds of work that I do that demand a ton of focus, it's not that they're inherently stressful, but I have to be so critically focused and engaged to, to get this right and not make a mess. And if I've been doing that for a few hours, my focus is shot for the rest of the day. I mean, it's just, it, it's not that I'm sad or tired or upset. It's just, I, my, my brain is done focusing. That's, that's over now. And so, you know, 
if I try to go and have a really critical prayer time after that, it's just not going to go super great. I need to be understanding I don't have a lot of focus left. Now, the thing is, if we can embrace that, again, I'm having trouble praying, and that's a spiritual problem. It certainly feels like one, but it may be driven in large part by very normal, ordinary, unspiritual things. Then A, I think we let ourselves relax. This is not a sign that something terrible is going on in your walk with the Lord. That's, that's pretty unlikely. And we can also ask, okay, what can we do about those environmental factors? Can I get more sleep? Can I lower that stress level? If I know that I'm going to have a day where I've got some work that's very focus heavy, can I get my prayer time in before that instead of trying to do it after that? We can find some very um, seemingly mundane solutions that will actually make a big difference and, and help us out. But I think part of what we have to do in order to get there is to take the, the sense of panic down a little bit. I think the other thing, whenever we feel like we have a spiritual problem, I think it's easy for Christians to wonder, does this mean I've got like a dark secret sin in my life that maybe I don't even know about? And, you know, maybe the Lord's spirit has left me and, you know, maybe let's cancel all of that. No, you got four hours of sleep last night. That's, and that's the problem. Well, we what need if to I got four hours of sleep? Cause I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a sense, yes. Evil keeps me up all night. <laughs> Evil's full of caffeine. That's right. See, that's the, that's what we don't want you to do. We, we we want to take that sense of panic and that sense of fear off. We want to say, I, I can get a bit more sleep. That'll help in all kinds of areas of my life, including my prayer life. Uh, and then we can start to, to take a fresh uh, uh, look at that prayer life and discover it's almost certainly way, way better than we might suspect it is. Absolutely right. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to, to talk us through. There's a concept you've mentioned to me and to other people that you've coached on on preaching that's taken from the world of both golf and baseball that's lighten up, don't tighten up. Yeah. I think that actually really applies to what we're talking about here. Can you walk us yeah. through that? Yeah, for sure. The the idea is in in sports and preaching both, I suppose, uh, the idea is to have an intense focus, but to be relaxed at the same time. And those things would seem to be contradictory. Most of us and it could seem like you could exchange one for the other. You could right. just really hunch over and f- you know tense up real hard, and that right. is essentially the same as focus. That's right. Yeah, you you know, as it turns out that that that's blocking you from being able to do things and think clearly. Um, uh, all that tension does. Uh, yeah. So, uh, part of what we're talking about here, because I I agree with exactly what Jed's saying. In fact, I want to build on this idea. This is about your mental landscape and what's going on there and clearing that out of the way so that prayer uh, can happen. Um, and I, part of what you're describing is uh, what a psychologist would call an obsession. So this idea, that I think the right way to think of that for the spiritual part of this is it's like an endless loop. It's a thought that just goes in a circle in a circle. So it's almost like that song that you hear, you can't get out of your head. It just goes round and round and round and round and round. Okay, so that's a, that's a psychologist would call that an obsession, but the idea is it's sort of a circular thought that doesn't ever go anywhere, but you also can't really seem to get rid of it. So, um, uh, so take this i take that idea, and say, okay, what are we going to do about that? So, uh, in 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 the East, they have uh, this idea of no mind, you know, mushin. So it's just like. I saw actually a video that sort of pertained to that on on uh, the YouTube's, where uh, there's a guy who teaches a class in wood carving. And the, you know, this is this is a hilarious video in, in a backhander way, because the, you go into the class and you know you get a block of wood and he gives you like a little carving knife and he shows you how to use it. But the whole point is, you you don't carve it into anything. You just take a block of wood and carve it into like a you know, like a smooth uh, pebble-looking thing that just becomes whatever shape it becomes, and it, and the goal of it is to have no mind, as he put it. You know, this idea of clearing your mind. But now, see, for us uh, in, in in sort of a Western context, we think, okay, that means I have to have no thoughts, which you kind of can't do. You know, especially if you're kind of caught in that endless loop of, of obsession. Uh, but what he's talking about is not having no thoughts. It's not attaching to those thoughts as they flow through your mind. Letting them come, you know, letting yourself feel the feelings. It's not about having no feelings either. It's here is a thought 
that is unhealthy. I recognize it as unhealthy, and I just let it flow right out the other end of my brain and just let that let that go by. I think we have a way as Christians, uh, especially to say, I have a good and meaningful and important and virtuous life to the extent that I care about things. So the more I care, the more that's good. And I think we can have that mindset if we, uh, sort of the opposite of that is if you grew up in a dysfunctional family where you had to kind of do a lot for yourself, there's a sense of if I don't care about a thing, there's nobody else to care about it, and that's where that's when disaster happens. So I have to care about everything and soup, everything. Yet the care and have a thought and a plan. And what if this goes wrong? And this that's there's your obsession right there. So the idea is uh, to not attach yourself to those thoughts as they flow through. You'll have a worry. Let that flow in and out of your your. You know the devil comes with his. Uh, you know, though you wake up and the devil says, you know what? I think you're getting pretty fat. You know, well, that's an unhealthy thought. You can see it. You, and you can say. The devil's a jerk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, evil is one thing, but body shaming? Really yeah. devil? Yeah, just really devil. Come on, man. It, you know, you could, you could have that reaction. You could have the, you know, I don't mind being fat. I don't, I don't like it. Whatever. You know, you, you could. But now you're atta- you're you're bringing that in. You're entertaining. You're engaging it. with it, which you're is en- the mistake. You're engaging with it is a mistake. That's the thing. It's just a, be, being able to not attach to that as it flows through. So if mm. you can handle your mental life that way, those things don't clutter up the space where you're trying to get the prayers to come in and where you're trying to have that interaction with the Lord. That's a really really good point. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up here because I think. Uh, Glenn makes uh, it's a good analogy of kind of think, the things you want to let flow by, the things you want to kind of grab a hold of. And as far as our friend talking about, you know, getting control of your thoughts. And I'd love you to take us back to where uh, where Jed started us off in some ways, because some of this is going to be just almost trivially, seemingly practical, right? There are yeah. shakeups to a routine that could really yield big results here. What are some of those? Um, yeah, I, I love I, I love that because <clears throat> I think for some of us. I mean, I, I love all this stuff, and the idea of, of you know, not tightening up, but but kind of relaxing your hold on that. Some of that is just the the mental block of the idea that the quiet time can only look this way, or else it doesn't count. Um, and I think that people get into a they get into a rut of I've got to do this thing this way because this is the holiest way that this can happen. This is the only way holiness enters my life, is if I do this thing this way. So um, just kind of varying the template of how I hang out with the Lord, um, because the whole point of this thing is is that you want a relationship with Jesus. And the and we kind of talked about this in the first question, but relationships are moving targets, and relationships change over time. So it makes total sense that the way that you hang out with Jesus uh, is going to look different today than it looked last year, um, and that that you can kind of you can shift that thing a, a, a bunch of different times throughout your life. So just some kind of practical things. Let's try something totally different. So like if you've if let's say for the last you know year or so you've had you've been in a routine where you you know physically are sitting down at a desk or at a table at a coffee shop or at your house on the couch or something and you open up the bible and you're trying to read some passages or whatever well let's try something totally different um why don't you listen to a, a couple of chapters of some scriptures on an audio bible while you take a walk um totally different kind of deal or while you go on a drive through a place that's really, really pretty. Um, it, you, and the cool thing nowadays is you don't even have to buy an, an audio Bible. I mean, you could just access something like that on Spotify or Apple Music or something like that, whatever you have you know, an account with, they've got audio Bibles in there. Um, so you can just listen to something like that. And another cool thing that I would say, and this is, a, this is one of those things that, that hangs people up a lot just about prayer, is if your mind, and Jeb was kind of talking about this before, but if your mind wanders during prayer, then go ahead and turn those wanderings into your next prayer. Um, the stuff that, that your mind is on, that's what you care about. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a holy thing. It doesn't have to be somebody's ministry. It doesn't have to be even about your walk. It's just where your mind goes, talk to the Lord about that. You don't have to be 
you know, um, uh, you know, for prayer to count, it doesn't have to be you advancing the the cause of the, you know, the advancement of the kingdom of God or whatever, or the prayers don't count. Just talk to him. Talk to him about what you're feeling and what you're going through and try different stuff. If you have been journaling for a while and you're over the journaling thing, then do something completely different. Um, I mean, uh, grab the, the voice memo function on your phone and just talk to the Lord out loud. Record that. Let that be your journal entry. Um, I don't know. It sounds weird, but try it. Just try some different stuff. And, and sometimes the novelty of giving yourself the space to, to do something different, um, that novelty can kind of, can kind of bring in a, a freshness that will allow you to kind of get unstuck from some of these places that feel like you're stuck right now. It's really, really sharp stuff on that. It really does tie back into our first question in some ways, because uh, we're talking about a relationship with the Lord here in conversation with that, and that cannot stay stuck in one place. If if you and your friends are all in your mid-30s, um, going to sit in the high school parking lot at 7 a.m. and hang out, because that's what you did when you were 16, would be weird and possibly right. illegal. Right. You shouldn't do that. Um, just because it worked before doesn't mean it's the thing that's going to work now. And to take us back to what all these guys have said, um, that's not an indication of sinfulness or you not caring about Jesus' stuff. That's the fact that everybody gets caught in ruts. This is this is about this really is an issue of trying to break out of a rut and not an issue of some deep spiritual problem. But as you point out in your question, I think it's a very sharp insight. Those kind of seemingly mundane things can have big spiritual impacts one way or the other to the negative or the positive, so we definitely want that to be for the positive. I'm going to jump to our final question here. This comes in anonymously, and it says, What is accountability? I hear people talk about how we need it in our lives, but what they seem to be describing is just calling people out and guilting them. So, Glenn, why don't you start us off? That's mostly how they mean it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they mean it. What is it, actually? Yeah, accountability is uh, doing what you say you're going to do. If you say this is... I'm going to, if it's a Kickstarter campaign, I'm going to, I'm going to make widgets. If you give me the money, I'll make the widgets and I'll give you a widget. You know, you can hold me accountable to that. I'm, I'm Glenn, Glenn, are you still waiting on some widgets? Is that why you bring that up? <laughs> oh, I'm always waiting <laughs> on a widget. But, um, uh, excuse me, there's Bon Jovi's modern stuff is weird. Waiting yeah. on a widget. I don't know what that <laughs> yeah, means. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, ultimately, uh, when we're talking about accountability, we're talking about, uh, a relationship between two people where you can count on this person doing and, and being what they say they're going to do and be. Uh, that's It's a very simple idea, and it is an important part of having sort of a trust-based relationship. It's important uh, if you need to count on somebody that you believe that they're going to be accountable to do the things that they say they're going to do. If you take your car to a mechanic, you want him to be held to account to actually repair the car for the money that you're going to pay him and so on and so forth. Uh, but the, the thing about accountability is, and this is the part where we're, we're leaving <laughs> a lot of Christians behind. Accountability is a two way street. Uh Oh, I don't care for that at all. If the mechanic fixes your car, you got to pay him. That's, that's your part. He's doing his part. You do your part. Uh, it, it, I think within the church, the way it's often used is you're not doing a thing I think you should do. I'll hold you accountable. And I'm going to hold you accountable to doing the thing I just made up in my head that you should be doing. Totally. And you are not, you're totally irresponsible in that you aren't doing something you never said you would do, but that I think you should do. So now you're not being accountable to the thing I just made up in my head. It rhymes with <laughs> schmithing. That's right. And here's the thing, is if, if, if you're going to hold me accountable to my part of that, uh, I ought to be able to hold you accountable to your part in this thing. If you get to make up stuff that you think I should do and then try and hold me to account for that, I get to make up stuff I think you ought to be doing. And then you have to dance to my tune as well. How's it taste? Yeah, that's just not, <laughs> that's, that's just a, a mutual manipulation maybe at that point. But uh, ultimately, uh, it's, it's a good idea that's, that's been, been misused and, and misunderstood. 
Uh, I think it's, uh, if you take, for example, we have an open drawer policy on our finances. I think we've mentioned it probably at some point on the podcast before. And an open drawer policy, and there's plenty of ministries that have it. It's not a, a totally unique thing to us. But an open drawer policy means you can literally walk into our office at any time. If you're a supporter of the ministry, you can open the drawer, look through every file, every printout, every everything, that there's no level of detail uh, that uh, we're trying to hide from you. Now, now we, we wouldn't give away the individual names of the donors and those kind of things. Yeah, that's a people. privacy issue that's for right. legal reasons. Uh, but, you know, where, you know, the amount... As far as how are, we spent the money. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, the, the amounts that are coming in and what we're spending it going out on, we are totally accountable to our supporters in that. They, they, they have that right. Because they're uh, entering into a relationship with us where we're able to count on them giving us support and keeping us going. So that's a, it's always a two-way street. I have a problem with uh, church stuff where there's uh, the accountability often goes together with a, a loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need to be loyal to the church. You need to do this for the church. You need to do that for the church. For the church, you need to, need to do this other thing for the church because the Bible. Well, uh, okay, the Bible has a lot of instructions for leaders and I ought to be able to hold you accountable for those instructions for the leaders. Now, here's here's one of my favorite instructions that the Bible gives in undeniable terms for leaders within the Christian church. Must have a good reputation with outsiders. So it's pretty high on the list, really. It's, it's it comes a, up a lot. It comes up. It it's it's actually mentioned in the same list as must be the the husband of only one wife. So it's 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 what right up there with the uh, you know polygamy yeah as uh, a a thing to to avoid in a church leader but i ought to be able to hold you accountable to that if i can't if you're going to call up a bible verse and say you are accountable for whatever bible verse i can bring up i ought to be able to play that same game with you that's not how we do church stuff uh we 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 challenge people to make a commitment Make a decision. Say, I need to be able to count on you that you're going to be here when we do vacation Bible school. We do a Sunday school class, what have you. If you commit to that, I'm asking you to be accountable on that. That's different from I just made it up. You have to do it. I think that's a really important point, and Lee, I'd love to you pick us up there because one of the other things that's uh, misunderstood about accountability is not only is it a two way street, but it is an opt in situation. Yeah, and it is specific. As Glenn is saying, I think one of the things that gets misconstrued both in a church context and in like a a youth uh, kind of like maybe college age or whatever, we're going to hold each other accountable, which always is about porn because that's all there is apparently. But it is that kind of, I'm going to hold you accountable for being a good Christian, which isn't really a thing. Yeah. So what typically happens is, like you're suggesting... There's something, uh, there's something that we want, you know, some behavior that we want to change, usually porn, you know, but there's something that we want to get a hold of in, in our life. And uh, so let's hold each other accountable on that. And what people typically mean by that is I will police your sinning and then uh, you police my sinning. And then at the end of this thing, we won't be sinning anymore. Um, that doesn't work, has never worked. Uh, will never work, and isn't the way anybody works in any kind of anything. So uh, that's broken. We need to we need to fix that. But it is awesome and helpful if I have people in my life who I trust, who um, I have I've watched them live their life, and I have grown to discover that they are a person who knows how to listen, is humble about their own struggles, is honest about their own struggles, and is willing to talk to me through uh, the things in my life where I want to grow. Um, that's the kind of person that I invite into my life to, to help me see myself. The, the fact is that everybody does have blind spots. Um, but, you know, and if I have somebody that's honest and humble and somebody who knows how to listen and knows how to be cool without making me feel a bunch of guilt and shame about stuff, that's a person that I can that I can open my life up to. That's a person that can that can help me see blind spots and and walk alongside me as I try to grow and change. But if we're talking about just 
we're just going to have a group and then we just get to call each other out for sin. Well, uh, opening yourself up to that kind of that kind of treatment, that's not going to be that's not going to be a helpful thing because it puts everybody on the footing of just being critical um, about everybody else. Um, and and uh, before long, what happens is is everybody winds up hiding from each other. Everybody winds up lying to each other. Everybody winds up veiled and and uh, in the trenches. Um, what I need in my life to help me grow and to help me see myself is I need somebody that I know knows how to listen and I know cares about me and I know is willing to be humble and honest. That's a person that that uh, has the potential to earn the right to be a person that I would talk to about my life. That's a different thing than what most people mean about accountability. And it's definitely not uh, policing each other's sin, but it is. It just means somebody that has, like Glenn was talking about in the last question, the fellowship, just that fellowship element of this is me and my actual self and my actual life and the things I'm actually going through. And if you can be that same kind of person, then we can help each other walk this thing together. Absolutely. I think that's really, really sharp stuff. And Jed, let me just close out here and let's talk a little bit about, both these guys have alluded to it, but kind of the other side of this. Yeah. and Because I think one of the, the things that uh, can people can lose sight of is that accountability is good. Yes. It can have a positive effect on your on your your growth and your life. The idea that just more accountability is more good and I should have more people to whom I I'm accountable and that'll stop me from doing naughty stuff may be a mis a miscalculation. Absolutely. Well here's one of the things that both Lee and Glenn pointed to that I think needs to be reiterated is the let's cancel completely for a moment the idea of here's stuff you have to do. Let's just, let's just kill that for a moment. Let's focus on things you want to do. And to clear our brains, let's talk outside of a church context. Um, mm-hmm. Glenn was talking about ultra marathoning and the fact that no one should ever do that ever. That's evil. Don't do that. So <laughs> to annoy Glenn, let's say you decide I've never done anything closest, but I want to run an ultra marathon. Okay. So you think about what would be the resources that would help with that? Well, it'd be good. You want you probably want to you know read about how to do that, and you know you you probably need a gym membership. You probably need some running shoes. But here's another thing that you'd need: would be a person that knows you're doing that, who from time to time can say, "How's that going, bro? Yeah. How's how's that running process?" Because if no one knows that you're attempting to do this thing and no one is checking in on it, it's going to be really really easy for you to let it slide today, and then tomorrow, and then the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. To be clear, you're the one that decided you wanted to run an ultramarathon. This is a a get-to. This is a thing you chose to do. But having somebody that once in a while is going to say, how's that going? And how are we doing? And how's how's the training? That actually helps a lot. That's a really valuable resource on this thing you decided that you want to do. So again, even in an almost completely secular context, if you say, I have a goal and I want to, you know, gather together the resources that will help me achieve that goal, people checking in on you is a good thing. Yeah. That's that's a positive thing. That helps. Yeah, people can do that in a weird way. And and if you have too many people doing that, that can be weird. Or if they're trying You can do the overcooked consequence thing of if I don't run twenty miles this week, I have to pay this guy thousand dollars. Yeah, that's that's a dumb idea. <laughs> but you know, the the basic idea of there's a goal that's a big goal that I care about and I want to do, and so I have a certain critical number of people that I want to just check in with me and and you know see how we're doing on that goal. That's a good thing. That's for most people, that's a valuable thing that will help. But Church people have managed to turn every good thing about that into something weird and hinky. Let's ask this. In your life as a Christian, what are the things you want to do? Forget mm-hmm. about, for a moment, the things you're supposed to do or the things you have to do. Because, uh, yeah, I'm pretty shaky theological ground if you're telling me there's stuff I have to do. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know that you got a strong argument on things I have to do. So let's just talk for a second. What are the things that you want to do? That could be that there are sins you want to eliminate from your life. It also could be that there are good things you want to add into your life. There are virtues that you want to learn how to, you know, uh, receive and live out and embody. It could be, I want to, you know, serve people in ways that I haven't served people before. You know, just make make a wish list of the things that you want to do in your life as a Christian. And then just like we were talking about with the running, start to list out what are the resources that will help with that? 
Yeah, there's probably some books you can read on some of it. There may be a seminar or a conference that you can go to on some of it. There's almost certainly subject matter experts that you can and really should go and consult with some of it. But having a couple of people that will check in with you on it and say, you know, I know you were saying you wanted to get into least of these ministry. How's that going? You know, what's that been looking like for you in the last month? That will help. It's not necessarily a game changer and it's not really supposed to be. It's a boost. It's one resource among several. It, it's not, if you don't want to do this, it will not make you go do it. And it's not meant to do that. This is a tool and a resource to give you a boost on a thing that you've decided you want to do and that hopefully the Lord is calling you to do. And if we view it in that context, we'll find that it's a get to rather than a have to. That is all really, really sharp stuff. There's two things in there I want to pick up on that Jed made great points about. I want to make sure they don't slide by. One is that there needs to be a division of labor on this, is to uh, Glenn's point about ways the church, the capitalist church, tries to screw this up. Your subject matter ex- expert actually shouldn't be your accountability person. No. Right. That's, that's not a good way yeah. to do that, you know. Um, the, uh, the other thing there is negative reinforcement is not going to push this process along. Yeah. There's another th- thing about accountability I think is way misunderstood and people don't think through is this idea that Okay, I'll, I'll tell someone, you know, whatever it is. I, I want to take, I decide I'm going to take an active role in my dating life. I'm going to get the app with the swiping and the whatnot. You don't want someone who said, well, how's it going with the thing? You say, ah, I, I did it once and got really bummed out, so I deleted it. You don't want someone who's going to go, I thought you said you're going to do it. I thought you going to be hardcore, bro. Yeah. You didn't even do it once. Who doesn't even do it once? You want someone who says, well, what, what, was, what bummed you out about it? Yeah. Say, well, it's with the swiping in the meat market. And you want someone to say, well, why don't we look for an eHarmony? free weekend so it's not with the swiping or why do we look for this that's that's actual accountability is i didn't do this thing let's talk about why that didn't happen let's move towards doing it it's not someone being angry at you for not doing a thing yeah which people want because they're already angry at themselves and they want some kind of external anger which i feel like is like what a lot of christians mean when they talk about accountability right the, the two what we we've lied out here the two things that are not accountability we can point this out are that i want someone to be angry at me or I want someone to point out things I was doing wrong that I didn't know I was doing wrong. Right. That's also not accountability. That, right. that can be part of a discipleship relationship in a very right. specific, targeted, expertly done way. Even then, it's kind of dangerous. But accountability really is there are things I want to do, and I want someone to check in and wa- help me out on, on that with a little encouragement and understanding here. And then that's why accountability can be a very good thing. But in order to get to that, we need to understand what it is. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can also, we're, uh, we're going to try this. Now you can also leave us a message on our Facebook account. That's facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. We just recently crossed 2,000 likes on the Facebook Ooh, account. So if you head nice. over there, we, it's where we, that's become kind of a hub for all our stuff. You'll get all the podcasts, blog posts, um, links, songs, and stuff. So if you want a handy place to, Get all the bridge content, facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago. Take out the song. Some of the last we've heard from our friends Pete and Tasha Lawson. This is their version of the song A Mighty Fortress. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast is brought to you by the Boredom Badger, keeping church meetings moving at the speed of a manic, half starved badger. (laughs) (laughs) A mighty fortress is our God. Never failing Our helper He Amid the flood Of mortal ills Prevailing Forstin Forstin Our ancient The seeker to work his craft and power and rain and our 
Dumb is forever.